Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Geiss and Josh Eppinger and we're going to have a probably pretty pessimistic episode here. So we, we've been hmm. talking about it for weeks about how we shouldn't be counting on this team to really be in the playoff race and we tried to pump the brakes on the optimism going into uh, into the bye because we knew that all the other teams had, had several games in hand and that things would look a lot different after that week than coming into that week. Pretty much things went as, as badly as you could possibly expect this week. So the Sabres yeah. lost 5-1 to one to the Blackhawks in what was just a, a horrible game to watch, really, on Sunday. Uh, the Sabres were outclassed, really, from start to finish. Probably were outplayed at least 55 out of the 60 minutes in that game. Um Evander Kane scored the only goal for the Sabres. Uh, Ryan Hartman, Marion Hossa, Jonathan Taves, Artem Anisimov, and Patrick Kane all scored for the Blackhawks. So a lot of their big guns getting in. Uh, Robin Leonard took the loss in net and showed he was human. I mean, the Sabres were really outplayed, but, you know, Leonard... Leonard wasn't a god and didn't keep them in the game. You can't you can't fault him for that performance whatsoever. But he did give up five goals in the loss on thirty seven shots. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they I mean they were on them. They the Blackhawks uh, really showed that they are a world class team, like you said, Mark. Um, you know, definitely. Say, you, uh, yeah, Twitter really kind of caught. Uh, oh, Twitter sorry. caught fire after uh, Patrick Kane scored that goal. Uh, you know, filthy hands by Kane, but I, I know I sent you a message, Mark. Uh, that's all Josh George's right there. Uh, not not taking the – not playing the puck. Uh, just sitting back and crumple, crumpling under pressure, basically, with uh, something that I've seen him do quite a bit this season. Definitely, yeah. And I, I saw some people saying, like, oh, you know, as the defenseman, you're supposed to take away the pass there. Yeah, I know that that's what they teach you in, in day one of, of playing hockey, but when you're facing a guy like like Patrick Kane, you have to force him to do something. If, if he has multiple seconds to face off against your goalie one-on-one, he's going to score probably 99 times out of 100 in that situation. So Georges has to step up and force Kane to do something. If, if he's able to make the pass, great. But you're basically conceding a goal if you're just letting him deke out your, your goaltender like that. That was kind of the icing on top. That yeah, goal there. That was that was uh, when I turned off the TV actually. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, I kind of just chuckled at that one and thought, "Yep, <laughs> this shows how far away this team is." Really, I know it's one game out of eighty-two, but just in a game that they still needed, and I know that they had done very well leading up to that game, and we kind of looked at it as a bonus almost if they had been able to win that game. But you don't expect them to come out and lay an egg, and I think it was. It was uh, I don't I don't know the exact numbers, but they had played a lot of games in very few nights. I don't know if it was nine games in eighteen nights or eleven eleven games in eighteen nights, something like that. It was a very very yeah. tightly compacted before that break, so they looked gassed as well. So I'm not trying to make excuses, but everything fell right for the Blackhawks to just dominate that game. Yeah, absolutely. So, over the break, Sabers came back have the two easiest games remaining on the schedule the avalanche and the coyotes and teams have done very poorly coming out of that bye we had talked about it last game hoping maybe the blackhawks would still be in that hangover a little bit coming out of the bye they obviously weren't but the sabers came out 
and lost 5-3 to three on Saturday night. And our old friend Mikhail Grigorenko scored in this one. Landeskog scored. Uh, Barry scored. Blake Como. And uh, Landeskog also scored again at the end uh, in empty net goal. Uh, Sam Reinhart, Marcus Foligno, and Evan Rodriguez scored for the Sabres in this one. And this was a pretty evenly matched game. I think this... I, I think the Sabres did outplay the Avalanche in this game. Yeah. They just couldn't finish. Uh, I mean, really, the Sabres had a, had a lot of golden opportunities and weren't able to put them away. But, yeah, you know, Jeremy Smith there <laughs> had a pretty good game. Uh, no name. Jeremy Smith coming out of nowhere. Uh, just throw – and that one save – the one save he had on uh, Gianta was just – I'm like, how how did how how does that happen? Gianta, I mean, kind of put it right into him, but still, from just to get there is uh, pretty crazy. Sorry to interrupt you, Mark. Oh no, no, not at all. I I uh, I welcome the interjections. Uh, Jeremy Smith, he he played very well, and he was a big reason why why the Avalanche won. The Sabers didn't help themselves. You know, you can't use finishing as an excuse when you're playing a very important game against a bad team, but. Um, I think everything broke right for the Avalanche. They converted on their opportunities, and the Sabres didn't. So Leonard took another loss in net here. Uh, and yeah. Can I ask you something, Mark? Yes. Um, what do you think about – I mean, I'm not – you know, I've said it before on this podcast that uh, I'm never going to blame the game on the refs, but uh, it seems like in that last period against the Avalanche, uh, there could have been, you know, two to three penalties – that Jack Eichel could have drawn that were no calls. Uh, did you happen to catch that? Definitely. I was I was surprised by that, and it seems like something that's been an issue for most of this season. And I don't know if it's because Eichel's big or what it is that he he doesn't draw that many penalties. He doesn't draw as many penalties as he should. You know, as you're watching him yeah. play, it seems like very often you're seeing him get hauled down or whatever. Maybe it's because he's very strong on his feet. I don't really know. But Maybe he's getting a reputation for, you know – Refs think that he's diving. I don't see it. But you yeah, know, I, I don't see biased. it. Either. He doesn't really mouth off much at the refs either. So I don't know if there's a hatred thing there. Uh, he is a young player, so there's obviously some deference to veteran players by the referees, just like there is in any sport. But it doesn't. It still doesn't seem to explain it. And it, it was pretty blatant in that third period that the Sabers should have, you know, should have gotten a power play opportunity or two out of. You know, out of out of Eichel skating hard and, and drawing penalties, but things didn't break that way. And like I said, I think everything just broke right for the Avalanche in this game. They they had a goaltender step in and play great. They converted on all their opportunities. The Sabers missed some golden opportunities, and they got some help from the refereeing. So yeah. it's unfortunate that's the way it goes sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I was a uh, a little puzzled by it. I was a little puzzled by it. Um, you know, especially when it was a one point game. And, you know, we're talking about maybe going on six on four or six on three, you know. You know, if you got one of those penalties and then you pull your goal, you're a six on four. And the Sabres are really pushing until actually when the goal is uh, on the last line, it's got a goal. Like, will uh, turn the puck over on a pass to wrist line and at the point. Um, you know, but, you know, maybe that doesn't happen on six on four, you know. Um I, I hate to blame the refs, but uh, they definitely missed a couple calls there. Yeah, yeah, and 
I think that game would have gone completely differently, especially thinking about this team's power play this year. It's, it's that much more important for this team to get calls because they're not very good at even strength. Yeah. And, and when you don't get those, those penalty calls, it hurts this team doubly because, you know, not only are you not getting the power play, which hurts any team, even if you're average on the power play, but when this team is so reliant on its power play, it hurts you even more. So hopefully that changes. And, and we've talked about on this podcast before how it seems like things are not called consistently by the NHL. And that's really the NHL's MO. It's, it's really always been like that. But if you want a free-flowing game, you've got to call those obstruction penalties, those holding penalties, those hooking penalties, all of that. And the, the game, they're just not doing enough of that anymore. And they'll, they'll call a penalty on, um, on a Vander Kane stepping on a stick and kicking it a little bit away from a guy, but they won't call a holding penalty when it's blatant. You know, yeah. just just using one call that stuck out for me during this stretch as an example, that Evander Kane penalty, um, it it really just just blows my mind, and it doesn't seem like the NHL knows what's good for the product on the ice. Yeah, they they um, it, this is the highest level of hockey. I love saying that because it really is, and uh, you think the refs would be at the highest level as well. So I mean, everyone should be held accountable, but. Uh, we don't see it as often, you know. Well, you but, think uh, you think about what you love about the game and what what made you fall in love with hockey and watching the NHL and it's players making incredible skilled plays at fast speeds, not guys getting hooked and held and being slowed up coming through the neutral zone or coming over the blue line. And all the, the more that all that stuff comes into the game, the more it the more it devolves the product. Yeah. And it makes it that we, much harder for any casual fan to become a, a hardcore fan. Well, you forgot one big major component, the Babes. We play the game for the Babes. Yeah, yeah. The Babes have <laughs> the Babes have different uh, different qualifications, I guess. They have different reasons for loving the sport of hockey. <laughs> I have a good story. Uh, she may, if she hears me, she may get angry at me. But oh. I discovered that my wife has a background of Austin Matthews on her phone. Ooh, oh man! I thought I liked her a lot, man. What's up with that? She's a Red Wings Media. fan. Oh, jeez. She's a Red Wings fan, but you know it was for his looks. Oh, oh! And I thought, wow, that just supersedes all loyalties to to anything else. To <laughs> yeah, you know, being a being a big Red Wings fan, and you know, being you know Hendrik Zetterberg's number one fan. And you know she's gonna put Austin Matthews on her wallpaper. Oh, I know, man. I know. But that was a good anecdotal example, I think, of yeah, different <laughs> you know different criteria, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before I get in any more trouble, we'll go on to uh, to the to the Coyotes Sabers game on Sunday night, and the Sabers came out to a two nothing lead in this one. Uh, really. Outplayed the Coyotes through the first two periods. Eichel and, and Rodriguez scored. Rodriguez got his his second of the season, and yeah. uh, and Eichel sniped it top corner. How nice was that shot? That was beautiful. That was... How how quickly he can get his shot off with no space whatsoever is fantastic. Yeah. And then he made a great play too on the Rodriguez goal, really starting that rush, making a nice pass across to McCabe, and then McCabe made a made a perfect heads up play as well to get the puck over to Rodriguez. Yeah, that's uh that that that's uh you know three young players that 
this team's going to depend on for the next few years, you know. Maybe not Rodriguez as much as Eichel and McCabe, but, you know, it's nice seeing Rodriguez up there and doing this kind of, you know, being productive, you know, at four points in the last ten games. Yeah, uh, I saw he's leading know. the Sabres right now, actually, in even strength points per 60 minutes play. I know it's a very small sample size, but goes to show how productive he's been since he's come up, and I think he is carving a rollout in this team's bottom six. Yeah, it's nice. He, he's got versatility too. If you can have a guy that plays both center and wing, it it just adds to your to your value there as a bottom six player. And he's and not how physical, but he's he, he's he's smart and well positioned. And that's about all you can ask for, I think. Yeah, his and you know like his you know having that speed is you know so much so much in this game of uh, current NHL is about speed. It really is. Uh, so. You know, he's not the quickest guy, but he definitely is fa- a lot faster than, you know, some of the older players on this roster. So I think it's important to have that speed. Yeah, yeah, and, and good for him. It's it's pretty cool to see an undrafted rookie, well, an undrafted player come in. I know this is his second professional season, but come in and be able to make an impact and carve out a role for himself. Yeah. Um. Let me ask you something, Mark. So we talked about the first two periods. Give me the lowdown on the third. I think that's so the, we all uh, could guess what happened. You know what's going to happen as this team has become known for. They blew a two goal lead. Usually they start to blow it though late in the second period. This time they waited till a little over five minutes into the third period before really starting to blow it. Uh, Max Domi, Jamie McGinn, another one of our old friends, and Redeem Verbata scored for the Coyotes, and that last Verbata goal came with 18 seconds left. So really a shot in the ch- a shot right through the heart for anybody that was holding on to some semblance of playoff hopes. This really this really should abuse ourselves of any notion that the Sabres have a shot at the playoffs. I mean even with this win, I wouldn't have said we had much of a prayer whatsoever, but now it's it's over. The most optimistic among us should be you know, should be thinking about the trade deadline, thinking about the offseason and trying to pick who you're going to root for in the playoffs yeah and definitely L- Leonard got uh Leonard was <coughs> sick slash hurt before this one and uh they ended up calling up Linus Olmark led to a lot of speculation that Anders Nielsen may have been traded but Nielsen ended up getting the start the Leonard the Leonard news came out later in the day and Nielsen took the loss in net and uh I didn't think the Sabres in this one, I didn't think they sat back that much in the third period. I think it was just horrible defensive zone breakdowns that really did them in. It wasn't It wasn't typically what we've seen from them where they just sit back and they let the other team come full speed at them. Because they, they had 14 shots in the period. They, they didn't play a terrible period offensively, but they just broke down multiple times in the defensive zone. That last goal especially was just really a sight to watch yeah yeah um you know having having uh i think you mentioned earlier uh with bogosian and and uh kulikov not tying their guys up in front of the net too and it's you know who's the blame for a breakdown like this i mean they say you know the legends say that the that the the worst goal uh the worst lead in hockey is a two two oh uh, lead and uh, it didn't it didn't pan out for the Sabers. Uh, 
you know, uh, I know I was I brought it up earlier to you, and you you heard it too about Eichel's comments after the game, and he said, you know, we sit back and we just let people skate to us instead of us making the first move. This is something that me and you have both been critical about uh, with the Sabres this year. Uh, how much do you think that had to do with the third period yesterday in the Sabres with the Sabres? This one, I don't blame it as much on them sitting back. I think if we're looking at the entire season. Most of the times when they've blown these leads, it has been for that reason. So I can understand why Jack would say that. You know, probably probably 80% of the time they've blown these late leads, it's been because they stopped playing what got them the lead or playing like what got them the lead in the first place. So they stopped taking it to the other team. They started ceding possession to the other team. They'd get over the red line, just dump it in and give the other team possession. But in this one, it looked like they were still trying to play their game, at least in the third period. I blame it more on... You called out Bogosian and Kulikov there, and on that last goal especially, they were they were to blame. I, th- I think overall this defense is horrible in its own zone, and you can even say Ristolainen isn't that great in his own zone. McCabe's been struggling much more in his own zone recently, and then everybody else is wildly consistent at best in their own zone. And the forwards haven't been very good defensively either. And on that last goal, Justin Bailey was in no man's land, and that's why – Verbata got this wide open shot at the point because Bailey didn't go out to the point. So there were breakdowns by everybody on that last goal. Um, that's what I blame more for this one in particular. And until they in, until they improve the defense, and I think until Dan Bilesma's gone, I hate to, to pin too much on him, but I think until he's gone, this team is not going to be good in its own zone. Yeah, um, I agree. And I also, you know, something I've been thinking about is uh, – this team can't get the – they're too slow to get the puck out of their own zone. They they don't have guys that can – defensemen that can take the puck and get it out of the zone if, if everyone's covered on the wall. Uh, this is something that's a major problem for this team. Uh, going forward, they need a guy who can be versatile with the puck, um, be able to make that great breakout pass better. I mean, you've seen it with McCabe and you've seen it with, you know, Risto, but, you know, if, if – if you were to say who's their number three defenseman on their team, I don't think I can answer that. Yeah, I, I really I mean, you'd don't. You'd have to say based on reputation, Kulikov, but he yeah, hasn't but played like the third best defenseman on the team this year. Bad injury, you know, he's had a bad season. I hate to uh, switch paces here, but uh, I'm just picking this up uh, uh, t- on Twitter. Uh, speaking of defensemen that can move the puck, uh, tweet from uh, Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, St. Louis Blues uh, beat writer uh, Ken Shattenkirk looks like he's going to Washington Capitals. Wow. Yeah. Any huge. idea on the return? Is he saying anything? No, it's just saying that, you know, um, Shattenkirk, let's see here, uh, Shattenkirk, mo- like, I do believe the Blues have a trade in place with Shattenkirk. It sounds like he's going to Washington. and I'm sure their is... first round pick will be involved, but. Um, yeah. That's going to be huge for uh, a team that's been has choked in the playoffs in the last few years. Uh, a team that I I kind of want to root for this year. Yeah, I think I think right now they're the team I would like to see. Columbus, and I, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing them, but I could never root for any team in in our division. And yeah. uh, Washington, you need to see Ovechkin get a cup, and eventually yeah. he can't play at this type of level for that much longer. He's played at such an such a high level for so long, 
and the style that he plays, you can't expect him to keep doing this for another five, six, seven years. Um, so I hope they win it one of these years. And that team looks great, and adding Shattenkirk to the mix just is huge. Yeah, I guess the I guess the big pull between Shattenkirk landing was Pittsburgh or Cat or uh, or Washington. So uh, you know, two rivals trying to beat each other out to get the get the player. That it's Metro division is cutthroat. Ooh. Um, it's murderers row, and it, it it's crazy the the playoff system where you're going to have to have two of those teams playing on the road in the opening in the opening round. It's yeah. you know two of uh of the Rangers, the the Capitals, the Penguins and the and the Blue Jackets have to play on the road in the first round. Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, you know uh it just it's interesting having this uh Twitter my Twitter page up and following Nikita, Nikita Kucherov, uh, natural hat trick in the first period. Wow. <laughs> Don't see that very often. Um, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, not in today's NHL, that's for sure. I, I decided I had to have the Twitter page up, though, today for something like this Chat and Kirk trade to come through. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, the trade deadline is this Wednesday, March 1st, at uh, noon, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, uh,. There's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Me and Mark have talked about this before, and uh, the Sabres could be uh, gaining a lot of pieces uh, by getting rid of some expiring contracts this year. Um, what are some players? Uh, you know, one player that you know we brought, we just we got done talking about him was uh, Dmitry Kulikov, a guy whose contracts up at the end of the season. We made a trade for in the off season, sending Mark Pizik. And uh, we're we got a uh, we got a uh, we got a uh, Kulikov and uh, a first round pick in uh, Rasmus Asplin uh, in that deal as well. So, uh, where do you think uh, the Sabers should be uh, be moving him? Definitely, yeah. I think all of these pending unrestricted free agents need to need to be moved. And I think looking at the market that's been set for defensemen, if you look at what at what Ron Hainsey got and he he returned a second round pick from the penguins i think you can look at at least that as kulikov's price if not more i know he's had a rough season but there are only so many sellers out there only so many quality defensemen available i think you're going to see huge price paid here in the shattenkirk deal and obviously i'm not saying kulikov is on shattenkirk's level but once shattenkirk goes it makes the the pool of available defensemen that much that much weaker that much scarcer and that much uh, better for the Sabres. Definitely. The market's shaping up very well for the Sabres being in selling position. Uh, we'll, I, I'm sure we'll talk about the Hansel trade as well to Minnesota and what Minnesota was willing yeah. to give up for Hansel. And, of course, the Sabres don't have a rental on that level, a, a, a 6-6 center that can, that can play in every situation. Obviously, that's far different than a guy like Brian Gianta that the Sabres have available. But when prices for the top guys are set that high, it raises all the other prices because there's a limited pool of players still remaining. Um, so I think Gianta, you could see some interest. He's been pretty productive for the Sabres this year, one of those guys you can plug into your top nine and and not skip a beat, somebody with a lot of playoff experience. I've heard a lot of people saying uh... – Gianta to the way to uh, Chicago would be a great move for uh, Chicago to have him in the their, their bottom six, 
and uh, add some depth to that team because that's that's a team that could uh, could uh, use a veteran guy with a with a good uh, winger presence as in uh, Brian Gianta. Yeah, definitely. That's been that's been kind of their their game plan in recent years too because because of how expensive all their core guys are, they've needed to fill out the rest of their roster with a lot of young players. And when you can, they or when they've been able to, they, they go out and they make a deal or two at the deadline and bring in a couple vets to be able to plug in. And, you know, obviously at the trade deadline, the remaining salary for a given player isn't that high. So especially if the other team's willing to retain, you're able to fit a more expensive player and then you would have been if, if you'd added them at the beginning of the year. So... Gianta is expensive, but the Sabres, I'm sure, would be willing to retain 50% or you know, at least 25% or whatever of of Gianta's remaining salary. And it makes him pretty attractive because it's at a prorated $2.125 yeah. which really is not much at all in cap space at this time of the year. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, helps the, it helps whatever team's buying them. It helps the Sabres by acquiring an asset. Uh, you know, I'm thinking around a second-round pick. For Gianta, maybe a third-round pick, uh, maybe you make it conditional, but you know it's not going to hurt the Sabers' cap space either. So I mean, it's really a win-win situation. So th- this is why these deals need to go down. Yeah, definitely. I think when you're looking at what the Sabers need to accomplish this off-season, the number one thing, while well, besides hopefully upgrading a coach, the number one thing is <laughs> oh. <laughs> the number one thing in terms of player personnel is upgrading the defense and not saying that they won't make any moves up front but you need to pile up assets to try to be able to make it run at the players you want to make it run at in the offseason I don't think they're going to go out at this deadline and go out and get a top four defenseman I don't think it's really feasible I know people are are all over the Evander Kane rumors and are jumping out whatever news comes out there about Evander Kane I, I don't really expect him to move Maybe no. he will. Maybe there's a trade to be made there. But it would make a lot more sense to move him in the offseason if you're going to trade him. Uh, but I think you need to pot, you need to accumulate assets to be able to make a move for some guys that you target. And there are going to be defensemen out there that are available for expansion draft exempt assets. And that includes picks and prospects because teams aren't going to want to lose one of their top players. You know, or say their their number four defenseman who's quite valuable to the team rather than allow that player to to be lost in the expansion draft they may be willing to take a trade that's at slightly less than normally what you'd have to trade for that player so to be ready for those types of deals you need to have sec- a bunch of second round picks you need to have you need to have prospects in the pipeline you need to have these types of assets you can move so i think it's really important to to try to stockpile here yeah i mean how, how i like you just kind of alluded to is uh how often have we seen Tim Murray use these pieces for the Sabres to make trades, to get guys like Ryan O'Reilly? You know, stockpile your picks. You, you make that trade. You, you, I mean, yes, you did give a, you did give a Grigorenko and a Zadarov away too, but you also gave away a first-round pick. Um, you, you know, the Vander Kane move. You you gave around. You gave away a pick for that too. I mean. The, these picks will help you accumulate players. I I would like to see the Sabers use some of these picks more often. I think uh, you would agree with, with me on that, Mark. Uh, to, to keep the steady young flow coming in. The reason that we want these young players to come up and play, um, you know, guys like Justin Bailey and uh, Rodriguez and Baptiste, is 
it's going to make it so much easier in the future when they're ready to play so we can get we can get rid of some money and give money to guys like Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, Evander Kane. Um so you know to the the non the the, the NHL fan that uh doesn't know much about you know cap management and how teams like Chicago make it work there it is yeah yeah and that's what you've you've always got to be forward looking and what Tim Murray has shown he can do he's shown that he can spend the assets he's shown that he was able to he went out and he he paid hefty prices for Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian in those two separate trades he's shown he's able to spend the assets but we haven't really seen him accumulate the assets so I think the team isn't as far along as he would have expected. It's not as far along as a lot of us would have expected by now. But he needs to do a little mini rebuild. And, that's, and, and how, how you can do it here is you sell off those pending unrestricted free agents and then you see what you can do in the offseason. And if he yeah. flubs up this offseason, we, we could be having a, a, a conversation about his future next year. I'm not saying Very. they need to be Stanley Cup contenders next year, but – this deadline is very important, and this upcoming offseason is even more important. Yeah. Well, it's been, what, about four years now since uh, since um, his uh, predecessor – well, no, G, uh, Murray was the predecessor of uh, – of, um, um, Darcy Regeer, who said that, you know, we it's time for a change. That's been four years now. Look at where we're at. You know, we haven't we have we haven't we haven't moved much. You know, we we did we are a lot better than we were in the tank years. But you know, to be on the outside, the outside of the playoff race is almost worse. You know, just on the other side, uh, when you're not going to be contending for that top pick, even though the lottery odds are way different than they used to be. So it's uh it's it's. It's uh, it, it's interesting, but you know we look at we look at these guys, Mark, and uh, we look at guys that can be moved. Uh, one guy I asked you about before we uh, started this conversation is Marcus Foligno. I see a lot of talk about some of the Buffalo media saying we need to get we need to move uh, Foligno after seeing seeing um, Alex Burroughs get. Uh, the Alex Burroughs trade and uh, and the Brian Boyle trade uh, to Toronto. Uh, what do you, what do you think about moving Marcus? I think it completely depends on what the price is. Of course, I know that's kind of a cop out type of answer, but I'd I'd be floating him out there because he's somebody that you may have to make a somewhat long term decision on this off season, and maybe they're not ready to make that commitment. And if you can get top value for him right now. I would be for it. I don't think he's necessarily going to get much better than he is right now. I think being kind of a a tweener, second and third liner, ideally a third liner that can maybe play up on your second line if necessary. I think that's going to be the type of player he is. I don't know if we can if we see the offensive upside where he can be anything more than that, anything more than that ten to fifteen goals per year type of guy. Uh, yeah. So if a team's willing to give you a, a significant prospect for for them to add him to their to their playoff lineup then I'd at least consider it I'm not saying I'm gonna be out there shopping him and just the the best bid gets him but 
he should be on the table. And you know Gergensen's, you can put him on the table too. He's another guy. His contract is up at the end of this year. Uh, see what's out there for him. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, these are guys that you know could always come back, like uh, like kind of like how we dealt Molson at the deadline and brought him back for a huge contract that all the Sabres fans are loving. Uh, <laughs> well, the difference with Felino and and Gergensen's is they're both restricted free agents, so. The team that acquires them would would retain their rights beyond this year, unless they decided not to qualify them for whatever reason. But their yeah. qualifying offers aren't going to be, you know, aren't anything ridiculous. So I would expect them to be qualified. So that's the only thing that, if you're dealing them, they're not coming back this offseason unless you make another trade for them. In all likelihood. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is making the job tough on. Uh general manager uh tim murray because i mean what which guys are you coming back you 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 do have uh you do have larson has one more year on his deal i do believe and he'll be coming back after his injury this year but larson also is on a one-year deal so all three of those guys are they're all restricted free agents this offseason so larson because of his injury i'm assuming he's probably gonna get another short-term deal whether it's one or two years uh, but Felino, I think, has played well enough where he may be asking for a three- or four-year deal or something. And yeah, maybe the Sabres around, don't want to do that. Around three and a half to four million, I would assume. Probably, uh, yeah, in that, in that yeah. range. Um, I, uh, you know, you got to ask yourself, who's coming back and who am I going to keep up? I don't see sending Justin Bailey back down to the, the AHL next year. I, you know, we, we, we do have to get younger sooner than later, I, I would think. So there's, it definitely gives puts a big question mark in my brain, at least, Mark, where what what can we do? What What is uh, the general manager's plan? He, granted, he's going to keep his uh, cards closest to the table as possible, but, you know, I it, it makes me it makes me wonder a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the plan is going into the offseason. I think the, the big goal is going to be to upgrade the defense. And that was a big goal last year, too. And we came out of it with the Kulikov trade. That was the big move. And nobody could have predicted he would get injured and be struggling with that all year. But at the same time, probably upgrading slightly from Mark Pesic to Dmitry Kulikov wasn't enough to turn this into a playoff-caliber ca- defense. And we kind of all knew that from the beginning. And even with Jake McCabe taking a, a pretty substantial leap for a lot of this year, like I said, he struggled a little bit more recently. But um, even with that, that this still has not been a playoff caliber defense. And Bogosian has regressed. I guess we couldn't have predicted that necessarily. But uh, I think that's going to be the big goal. And I think that all that you can really do at this deadline to prepare for that is to try to accumulate picks. Picks are the closest thing to a universal currency that you have in the NHL. You know, it's the closest thing that you have to the US dollar, the you know, the the universal standard in in the NHL. So I think that's that's all that they can do right now and then try to figure out what do you do in the off season. You think uh do you think that Franson uh is a team that maybe someone uh Franson's a guy that a team might wanna bring in. I I, I have a hard time believing it at this point. Uh 
for a playoff team. But uh, well, remember Mike Weber returned a third last year. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Cody Franson is miles above Mike Weber. Mike I Weber. think if he if yeah. Cody Franson is your number six going into the playoffs, you're doing okay. Obviously, depends on what the rest of your defense looks like, but. If you have a playoff caliber defense and, and Cody France as your number six, you're, you're in good shape. So I think the market for him is probably similar to um, the the Michael Stone trade. The, and Calgary gave up a third to the Coyotes for, for Michael Stone. And Franzen might be a little bit worse than Stone, but I think they're pretty comparable. And Franzen brings some slightly slightly scarcer skills to the table, I think. Being able to get a shot through on the point, you can put him on on your second power play. He's not a power play quarterback, but he is somebody that I think can, can contribute on the power play. Get, being able to get a shot through, so shot. I think there will be a market out there, especially if you're retaining fifty percent on him as well. Hmm. Well, that that uh that answers my question. Uh, but I mean, I'm I think I've been a little bit of a friends and apologist on this show, so. I know a lot of people have far lower opinions of him than I do. Not saying I think he's a he's a top four defenseman or anything, but I think he gets a lot of unnecessary flack. Yeah, it just uh, maybe his concrete boots that he carries around on the ice of him. I'm not sure. Yeah, he, he's definitely not anybody's <laughs> favorite player. I'll tell you that because he's not exciting. <laughs> kind of like Jochen Hesch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate Heshed. Matt Doyler, <laughs> I know he's a frequent listener on this show, but uh, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Mark, wants, Mark, Mark, Mark. Uh, here's a story from uh, back in our old uh, midget mold days. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark was comparing all our players to guys on the Sabers, and uh, you know, Mark thought he was giving him, um, Matt, our boy Matt Doyler, there uh, a solid compliment by uh, comparing him to Jochen Hesch, and uh, the response was. Matt Doyler puts his head down and looks down and shakes his head. He goes, "I hate Hesh." And it was that was clearly the best comparison, us. though. Yeah, I mean, because he played both mean, center and wing. You know, he's a guy mm-hmm. you could you could fit in anywhere in your lineup. He 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 was fairly productive, but wasn't an offensive Decent shot. dynamo. Yeah, you know, good in his own end. That that's Jokin Hesched. Yeah, you know, you could have told me that. You know, I would have took that over Steve Downey any day, Mark. <laughs> He's not on the Sabres, though. I, <laughs> I know. You invited that comparison, though, to Steve Downey. I was a big Steve Downey fan. <laughs> um. <laughs> or Sean Avery. What? Sean, Sean Avery? Avery? Yeah. I, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't that <laughs> bad. You know, um... I know this is uh, not really related to the Sabers, but uh, I'm curious. Did you uh, catch? Uh, I, I I I threw a retweet out there. Um, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, Andrew Peters gets a bounce from a Junior Sabers game. I did see for, that. Yeah, he. Uh, that's pretty bad. That was pretty bad looking. Yeah, he hit the he hit the kid pretty hard. I don't know if he hit him or pushed him. Well, yeah, he pushed him. But yeah. Yeah. I uh. I don't know if you ever, if you recall, um, there was a game. I'm not sure if you were there or not. You might have been, you know, playing basketball. <laughs> but, but uh, anyways, uh, there was a game, and I, uh, I had a real bad day <laughs> at school or something. I was mad about something. I can't re- recall it right now. But uh, 
I iced the goalie in the beginning of the game, uh, chasing a puck, and then I made it back. It was like to the I was in the beginning of the game, and you know guys were taking runs at me, and I was taking runs at other guys, and you know th- throwing the body down. But I was getting beat up pretty bad too. And uh, at the end of the whistle in the third period, uh, some kid on the team said something to me. I was sitting on the bench, and I uh, I ended up. Uh, cold clocking him in the face while in the cage of his mask and uh, I got thrown out of the game and uh, coach gave me uh, some choice words in the locker room and I uh, was suspended for uh, three games uh, I remember coach, you getting suspended I'm, I don't think I was at yeah. that particular game though yeah, that sounds kind of in the Sean Avery territory though that sounds <laughs> oh god yeah, you're right. That was not one of my finer moments. That sounds like Chris Simon, maybe, for some of you older listeners out there. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I, the 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 opposing coach didn't, uh, you know, come down and beat me up like Andrew Peters decided to do, but uh, he just laughed, you know, and uh, you know, it made me feel even worse that the coach didn't get pumped up about it. He just laughed, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm an idiot." Yeah, yeah. I that's typically the better the better way to go, especially if you're coaching teenagers or you know people that aren't adults yet. You, yeah, you can't let that come over you. That's something you've got to you've got to understand <coughs> when you're accepting a position where you're going to be around. What is it, 14, 15 year olds? A, I think it's a yeah. U15 team that he coaches. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it is. You have to go in like no matter what happens, I'm not getting involved physically in any of these altercations. And he was a little, he was far too quick to get involved physically. I know that's his instinct, being being on the ice. That's what he did his entire career. If somebody was getting yep. messed with that he thought was at a disadvantage, he's going to step in and try to protect that person. But when you're working with kids, you've got to be extra careful. Yeah, definitely. Well, enough about uh, old number 76 there. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – it, th- these, uh, these trades have been uh, piling up these last few days. Uh, you mentioned the Hansel trade, uh, the Minnesota. Minnesota was a reportedly, I read today, was a team that was very interested in Evander Kane. But uh, I think the price might have been too high for him. Probably, are, yeah. I think with what Murray's looking for, they would have to take. They would have had to give up somebody from their current roster, probably yeah. one of their defensemen. And for a team that's that's gearing up to go to the Cup, it doesn't make sense for them to give up Marco Scandella or yeah. Rodin or something. You know, it doesn't make sense for them to take away Ooh. an important piece off their defense. I would love a Brodine on the maybe, Sabres, though. To maybe upgrade a bit up front. So I think they were looking to just yeah. give up picks and, and maybe some prospects, and that's not enough for the Sabers to give up Kane at this point. Yeah, that I I I, uh, I thought the price for Hansel was I mean you know like you said great player, but that's a huge price. I mean, could you imagine what Vander Kane would have demanded? I mean that that's a that's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stock into that trade just for a rental. It is, yeah, and I think. Uh, what everybody's saying around the league is that this is a pretty weak draft. So maybe a first-round pick, giving it, giving it up this year for a contender, it's not as big of a deal as it would be in a stronger draft. Uh, so 
what they've said is that teams are going to be more willing to give up first round picks than they than they typically are. But still, giving up a first and a second, and then with the possibility of giving up another second, which is what the Wild gave up in that Hansel deal, that's that's a big price in any year, in any draft year. We talked about yeah. draft picks being the being the ultimate currency in the NHL, and giving up two or three of them, two or three premium picks, is a big deal. But I think they're yeah. sick of losing to Chicago. They're sick of you know they're sick of losing in the in the first round every year. <coughs> And they they yeah. figure we need to make some sort of big move to have a shot. I I root for Minnesota, uh, likable team, you know, uh, likable city. Uh, you know, you live out that way, um, so you'd be more familiar than me than me. But uh, I've always had kind of a soft spot spot in, for Minnesota. Not that I've been in the city of Minneapolis, but just dri- driving by and seeing the. You know the way it is out there. You know, kind of reminds me of uh, being at home a little bit here in Buffalo. Uh, well, Westfield. You know, ha- surrounded by lakes and uh, you know, we have some old we have some old friends in there. Jason Pomaville, uh, Chris who's Stewart. actually Chris Stewart. Uh, Pomaville is actually out sitting out of the game tonight with the case of the mumps. Him and uh, him and uh, Parise. Yeah. So yeah, not, so they not too often sharing, you see that. Yeah, they should stop sharing uh, toothbrushes, I guess, <laughs> on trips. I definitely will be rooting for uh, for Minnesota out west, though. I think it'd be cool to see them win. You know, they've been they've been a, a good team for a while, not a great team. You know, they've been good enough to get into the playoffs, but not really to make any sort of noise in the playoffs. So it'd be cool to see them win. And like you said, living in that area, it's uh, it would be cool to see. I would say, though, here, definitely more University of North Dakota hockey. That's far bigger than uh, than the Wild are. But the Wild are definitely the NHL team if, if people are going to pick their favorite team. But yeah. it's weird that the NHL isn't as big out here, even though it's a pretty big hockey area. When you got that, that stud in North Dakota, I mean, everyone's probably all crazy about him out there. You talking about Jost? Yes, Jost. Yep, yep. And and Brock Besser too. I mean, they've got some premium talent there. Definitely a lot of future NHLers. They've they've had a disappointing season though. Uh, definitely, definitely haven't played up to their talent level. Well, your college hockey roundup with Mark Geis. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I never really had a team till till coming out here. So now I've adopted them as my college team. I'm holding on to Ryan Miller's Michigan State Spartans and Jehu Kalkricks as well. <laughs> I actually went to the North Dakota-Michigan State game earlier this year. Michigan State, well, it ended up being a tie officially, but the way that the way that they do, they do overtime, but it doesn't count if anybody scores. So Michigan State actually won in overtime, but it still counted as a tie. So I, I, I didn't really understand the standings aspect yeah. of it, but... That's weird. Um, yeah. So um, we we have uh, we have uh, so we talked. Um, you know, let's just go back to Vander Kane just for uh, for uh, viewers' sake here. Uh, Vander Kane is a guy who's been incredibly hot. Uh, his trade value has flown through the stock uh, trade stock market. Um, earlier this season, if you were looking to move them, you know, you weren't looking as half as much as what you're looking at now. Uh, 
So a lot of people wanted to get rid of him. Um, a lot of people say, are you crazy? This guy's been scoring and is all our offense productive pro- productivity. Um, me and you are pretty much on the same page by saying we, you know, we're Kane's not getting moved at this deadline. There's no, pr- no one's going to be willing to pay that price for him. And, uh, we're, you know, kind of just wasting our time talking about it. Uh, an off season trade could be more likely, but, uh, another scenario is could the Sabres extend Kane after the season? It's possible. Um, I just, I think it's going to cost a lot, especially with this season. I think, I think he's got to realize how rare the skill set he brings to the table is, and his agent must realize it too. And I think he's going to get paid very well in the open market. You see the the type of premium that these grit type guys get. So think about Andrew Ladd and the contract that he got Lance last offseason. too. Yeah. Yep, David Backus. You know, Kane. Yeah. Kane fits into that kind of mold, and those guys tend to get overpaid and paid for too long. Uh, so I, I can certainly see that happening. Of course, a lot of those guys don't have the same character baggage. You know, I think that's really overplayed by people trying to trying to opine on the on the Evander Kane situation. Yeah, and I think GMs definitely. will be willing to overlook it, assuming that nothing happens between now and when he hits the open market. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to fit it in financially. Especially when just, you have Molson and Ennis going on, or their contracts going on beyond next off season, and yeah. Zach Bogosian is still under contract. It's how, tough. How many, it's a it's a really hard hard decision. How many? I mean, but how many guys are there out there like a Vander Kane that can put up that those kind of points? You know, you mentioned Andrew Shaw. You mentioned uh, David Backus. You, you, you know, they're they're. There's not a whole bunch, and Wayne Simmons. I mean, there's not a bunch of guys that can do what what these guys bring to the game. And how important is it for some the Sabers to have the kind of guy that can do this kind of stuff? I think it is pretty important. Uh, that being said, like you like you said, how is this going to affect Eichel and Reinhardt? And where where the question that's I've been waiting to ask you, Mark, is. If you had to come down to the decision between Evander Kane or Sam Reinhart, who are you going to take? Well, I think it's it's clearly Reinhart for me. I think there's still a lot of untapped upside there. Of course, his skill set isn't as rare in the sense that we were talking about it before as Evander Kane's is, but they're also in completely different situations because Reinhart. You have, you have team control over him for far longer, so he's a restricted yep. free agent. When his contract comes up, the team has more leverage. With Evander Kane, say that you make a, a choice between one or the other. Um, Kane, you're going to be paying a, a, a far higher premium for him than you are for Reinhardt. So I think just thinking about it in terms of in terms of team control, it has to be Reinhardt. But probably even straight up, even if their contract situations were the same, I'd probably still be picking Reinhardt. I think there's a lot more room room to grow there. And also yeah. I think he is a, a center long term and centers are far more valuable than wingers. So I like having my core of those four forwards up front, O'Reilly, Eichel, Reinhardt, and, and Oposo. And three of those guys can and should be centers long term. Yeah. 
Well, then you also got a guy like uh, Asplund that's going to have to come in the mix too, you know? So, yep, uh, that's a great problem a, to a, have. A, tr- a, tr- a, tr- a true center right there is Asplund. He's you know he's not a winger; he's a center. So, um, what are your opinions on that on that situation on? On if you're Eichel, making a choice between Eichel the two, Reinhardt? on well, on Reinhardt or Kane. Yeah, that's why I meant to say. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, my my thought process has been. Vander Kane, you know, it's 6'3", 220 pounds, I think, uh, is where he comes out at. Big man, fast man, super fast. I mean, you know, you know we, we talk about Andrew Shaw, Wayne Simmons, and David Backus. None of those guys can hold the candle to the speed that Vander Kane brings. So I love that about him. I think so much is important about having speed in this league. Uh, that's where the league's trending. That's what... That's how it is, you know. Say what you want about say what you want about it, but that's the way I see it, at least. And so I love the fact that Evander Kane has a huge set of wheels on him. I love the fact that he will is always willing to finish a check. I, I like the fact that he's starting to mesh with his teammates. He's starting to really care. It looks like he's really starting to care out there. He's really giving it his all, and uh, the pre- the preparation that he comes through is. Very impressive to me. Now we got Sam Reinhardt. Hockey IQ through the roof. Uh, plays the front of the net on the power plays. He, you know, is, you know, just so quick. His passing, overall this whole season, his passing has impressed me more than anyone's on the team. Um, I think, you know, watching him, you know, bank pucks off the, off the, off the sideboards and to the defenseman on power plays from behind the net is just unreal. Um, both those guys are extremely important. I just, you know, that's why I had to ask you the question because I'm not trying to be a cop out here because I don't know. I really don't know. I think, you know, I think in in uh, in a situation, I would like to see if they could make it if they could make it happen uh, with in this off season. And you know, get away with paying Kane, you know, six years or six million. I think I'd do it, and then worry about getting Reinhardt and Eichel locked up later on, and hopefully getting rid of some of these guys, as in Matt Molson. I, which you know, he his contract does play into when Eichel and Reinhardt need to get paid, and same with Zach Bogosian. But uh, you know, there's always a way to save money, and I think the Sabres would figure out how to do it. Well, I think if if they do decide to pay Kane, then we basically have to resign ourselves to never spending money on a goalie. I think that's one of the big ways that they would have to save money. So if Robin Leonard is looking for four-plus million dollars a year or something, he's got to be gone. And you've got to keep cycling in these cheap, you know, two-something million-dollar goaltenders over time. I think that's one way you could save money if if uh vegas is willing to take bogosian or ennis i don't think they would touch molson with a 10-foot pole but if they're willing to take one of those two guys it makes it that much more possible to be able to pay evander kane potentially but you've got got to also think the sabers are going to be making an addition they're going to be trying to spend money to upgrade the defense beyond what they currently have so they're going to need to spend more money on defense as well so it would be very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but y- you force a lot of tough decisions. I think if you if you sign Kane, 
then you're probably not paying Felino this offseason. He's, he, he's getting traded. Leonard very well may be getting traded as well. Although maybe you could sign him to a shorter bridge deal and worry about that issue later. But it makes things a lot more interesting, I think. And uh, Murray will have to work his magic. I don't think he's shown the ability yet to be able to work the cap to the point where I think you would need to if you were willing to pay Kane, say give him the Oposo contract, like you had said, or say six years for $6 million per. That would be exactly the same as the rest of Oposo's contract. Yep. It makes things pretty tight. You know, you don't know exactly what Eichel's what, what Eichel and Reinhardt are going to cost, but Eichel's going to be eight million a year, probably. Reinhardt at least five, probably six. Um, depending on depending on how many years you're buying, uh, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. But you know, that's why it's going to be important to you know bring guys in, like uh, you know Justin Bailey in these younger guys to make this make 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 her cap situation go down and somehow get out of deals like Matt Molson, Tyler Ennis, Zach Bogosian. Now I think if Zach Bogosian gets taken in the expansion draft or Tyler Ennis does, we're we're singing gl- glory days, you know. Uh oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not expecting it to happen. By any yeah. means, I think the Sabres maybe would have to sweeten the pot a little bit. Maybe throw him a second-round pick or something, or multiple picks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean they're not going to be. I, I, so would you? Would you take? Would you? Would, if they said, if Las Vegas said, "Hey, we'll we'll take Bogosian, but you got to give us uh, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick," would you do it? I would probably do that. Yes, uh, of course, I'd depends do, on what other. De- what other uh, decisions they make, you know, mm-hmm. if Kane is still around or not, how big of a weight is that Bogosian contract going to be? But I would certainly consider it. It depends, yeah. too, on what other players are being exposed. So, you know, who are you saving yourself from losing also? Right now it doesn't look like the Sabres are going to have to expose anybody too valuable. It looks like probably Linus Olmark's the best player they're going to leave unprotected, like the, the most mm-hmm. valuable because he's still a cheap young goalie. But I don't think – that Vegas would take him anyways because there are going to be a lot of quality goaltenders available in this expansion draft. I don't think Olmark's oh, going to yeah. be in the top four or five that they could choose from. So I probably yeah. would. Okay. Um, tweet from uh, P- Pierre Lebron. Uh, Shattenkirk trade has other details, but main part, I believe, first round pick in 2017, second round pick in 2018. And Zach Ranford going to St. Louis. Interesting. So very similar to the Hansel trade. Yeah, that's actually what uh, Travis Travis Yost retweeted it and said the Hansel price basically except not Hansel. Yeah, pretty much. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. the prospect instead of the conditional second. Yeah. As that third piece, but oh, uh, not not as big of a not not as a big of price as we maybe thought. So. Uh, I think the I issue mean, with him was I think the Blues are trying to do him a favor a little bit. I think he had I think he wanted to go to the Northeast because the Rangers yeah. were the first team that that was thrown out there that I saw connected to him, and then the, the then the Penguins and the Capitals. So I think he wanted to go up that way, and I think he's been there so long. I think St. Louis ideally wanted to trade him somewhere where he wanted to go, so that may have driven down the price a little bit. Yeah. 
And you know, um, players players respect that. It sometimes I think it's worth it to take a little bit less if you're if you're able to gain that kind of reputation around the league for being a team that tries your best to accommodate your player and a guy that served your organization for so long. Wow, I've, I never thought about it that way. That's a great point. Um, not saying that, that necessarily happened here, but I wouldn't be shocked. And that's still a pretty good price. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it, you, you're paying for it, but you're talking about a Ken Shattenkirk on a power play in a power play in the Washington Capitals is a pretty scary thing with that booming shot. You can have him or or Ovechkin firing the puck at you at any given second. That's uh, pretty scary. Yeah, definitely. That that blue line's got a little bit of everything now. Very deep too. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's going to be a really really hard team to knock out. They're going to have to go through a lot of good teams to get there. But um, that division is just incredible. I'm just hoping that. I mean, I any other Sabres fans I think would agree with me. I'm just hoping that Toronto <laughs> does not make the playoffs. Still. Uh, I don't know what their schedule exactly looks like going into it, but anyone anyone but them at this point. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they've they probably will end up making it, but um, it, it, it's far from a sure thing at this point. And you have the you have the Islanders surging, and only yeah. only two of Boston. Toronto, the Islanders, and the Panthers are going to make it. And the Pan- Panthers have been good as of late. Uh, well, during that uh, going up to that bye week, I think that was one of the most frustrating things for um, from the, the Avalanche game was uh, the Sabres would have won that game uh, coming back into the, from the bye. They would have. Uh, they they had help actually. It would have made them a lot better in the standings winning that game. Uh, Cause I can't remember. Was it the Panthers or the Leafs that lost that night? One of them lost. So we would have had you know ma- ground to make up essentially. But I don't even want to talk about the playoffs. I'm sorry. Yeah, winning both of those <laughs> games, they would have still been right in the mix. Um, yeah. It still wouldn't have been likely, but. You know, we could have been talking about it at least, but now it's yeah. completely out of the equation. Right now, eighty yeah, percent uh, of your you need to win eighty percent of your games to be able to make the playoffs. And yeah, I don't think it, that, well, I don't think a team has done that and win percentage like <laughs> ever <laughs> over an entire season. No, no, yeah. But maybe maybe the maybe the Blackhawks in the lock, after the lock, in the lockout half a season. <laughs> I mean, teams have done it over stretches. I know Minnesota had a hell of a run to the playoffs a couple years ago, a few years ago, where they I don't know if it was eighty percent of their games, but in the once the year turned, they played at a ridiculous pace because they were near the bottom of the Western Conference and came back and, and made the playoffs. It was when they claimed Dubnik off waivers. Or no, they traded for him. The, the Coyotes had, had claimed him off waivers earlier in the year. They traded a third-round pick for him, and he carried him to the playoffs. But um, 
This team's not going to do that, though. I mean, no. if there's one thing we know about the Sabres, it's that they're inconsistent. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're incapable of piecing together the kind of stretch that they would need to even get back into the conversation. All right. Um, anything else you uh, want to touch up on, Mark? Uh, any uh, players or... Um, um, let's see. Um, we touched on some of the young guys. I think we talked about all the all the possible trade targets. Anders Nielsen could be another guy that may be on the move. Maybe you can get a third or fourth round pick back for him. Probably not worth us to, us discussing any yeah, further I'm than that, though. Pro- probably, if I I I I'd say about a, at least a fourth round pick, like you said. Uh, yeah, both, it just has cheap cheap insurance. Reasonable. Yeah. Uh maybe a team like San Jose would be a good uh landing spot for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, a team that could use a uh a good backup. Yeah. So And yeah, that's typically uh, the price for like that's what um the the Sabres got a third when they traded Jonas Enroth a couple years back and I I think he he kind of Fits in that same that same kind of category, a guy that yeah. you can maybe get away with as a starter for a little while, but is really a backup. Well, Anders Nilsson's uh, six five and Jonas Enros five eleven. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> definitely a size bias. It's clearly, especially Tim Murray, he's probably the most sizest, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like racist, <laughs> but for size, um, GM in the entire NHL probably because like, and, and he loves the Swedes, yeah, as well. All three of the top goaltenders in the in the organization are six four plus. I think Swedes. I think I think it'd be safe to say that you know Allmark's your backup next year. Probably that bring it bring as long as they bring Robin Leonard back. I'd like to not but. see him exposed to the just toxic Rochester Americans for another season. They, they they've been just they've been so neglected by the yeah. big club, and it's killed them. And the gold the goaltenders have been left out to dry for that team in consecutive years now. And uh, yeah, you know I'm not saying that that goaltenders can't emerge out of that or that players won't emerge out of that. And we've seen players come up and be able to fit right in with the Sabers multiple times this year so it, it doesn't ruin everybody but I don't know I I I always worry about about um sending a goaltender down there because they're gonna get shelled yeah definitely um so um were there any other trades you wanted to talk about um Brian Boyle you, going to the yeah. to the Leafs and Alex Burrows to the to the Senators. Definitely the this division beefing up a little bit at the at the deadline so far. Uh yeah, definitely. You, you, you see Burrows come in. Uh, you know, Robin Leonard got to love that. You know, playing for Burrows is playing for his old team now, so he can uh, try to go after him four times a year. Uh um. And uh, Boyle coming in, I think, is going to be a good move for uh, for Toronto, especially uh, a veteran a veteran presence that can play anywhere uh, about anywhere in your top bottom six. So uh, a great a face-off bot- guy. Yeah. Which, oh yeah, great. Which great, they kind one of, of the, one of the best they need guy, a face-off guys in the league. Yeah. Big body, big body, 
uh, not afraid to shoot the puck. Uh, I've always been a Boyle, uh, a Boyle fan, actually, uh, and I gotta, I gotta quit rooting for the guy, even though he was already in our division. But when you go to Toronto, that's really it. Yeah. I like that pickup too. It's not a huge price, and I know you and I discussed it briefly before the podcast. Uh, I think that he's in their future plans. I think he's somebody they would like to lock up at a reasonable rate, and he's the perfect guy to have in your bottom six because of that face-off ability, size, physicality. He's. I, I saw that he's played the most playoff games over the last five seasons, I want to say, of, of any player in the league. So Because yeah. he went deep. He went to the finals with – uh, with the Rangers, and he also went to the finals with the Lightning. Uh, but who would have thought at the beginning of this year that you would see the Tampa Bay Lightning selling off assets to the Toronto Maple Leafs at the trade deadline? Pretty they crazy, were, isn't they, it? Yeah, they would. They were about everyone's uh, pick for the the East again this year. Yeah, until Stamkos went down. Um, and another interesting trade that we haven't talked about at all is uh. The balls of the lightning is uh, Ben Bishop going to the Kings. Uh, are you surprised by that move, Mark? Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that um, that that's where he went. I guess mm-hmm. we probably don't know all the details. It's possible that LA couldn't be 100% certain that Jonathan Quick's going to be okay for the rest of the year. They didn't pay a huge price either. No. Like, I actually thought Bishop would go for more. I know he's having a disappointing year, but he's a guy that's gone deep in the playoffs he's been there I know he's he's been injury prone uh, so that doesn't help his value necessarily but uh, I thought he would have gone for a little bit more than this but goes to show you that the market for goaltenders typically isn't there you know it's typically yeah. always a buyer's market for goaltenders and it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets this offseason coming off a clear down year yeah maybe uh maybe uh Buffalo lets uh, Robin Leonard walk, and they let Ben Bishop come in and uh, play, uh, you know, thir- 40 games, you know? Yeah. Well, I think if they make that type of commitment to Evander Kane that we were talking about before, I think you've got to think about shopping Leonard around this offseason Then maybe relying on a free agent 1A, 1B type of situation, and maybe Bishop could be one end of that. And I don't know yeah. – I haven't looked at what other teams really will be in the market for a goaltender this offseason. Dallas certainly will be. Uh, their goaltending <laughs> has been one of the big reasons why they've <laughs> fallen off the face of the earth. That's a one team that comes to mind, but not too many others. Patrick Eves moving. That was a uh, you know Dallas has made some moves too. You know Eves going and uh, they uh, they they traded Jordy Ben, so they separated the Ben brothers, and uh, you know. It's another could, team nobody see, would have expected to be selling. Yeah, and you you could uh, maybe see Lindy Ruff not having a job at the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, I I think he will be gone. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's a huge disappointment. You're wasting a year of of Ben and Sagan's prime. And yeah. You know, you only get you only have a window that's so large with superstars like that, and using up another year of it, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, team, team people really thought that team might take the next step this year. Yeah, I was uh, rooting for them last year, actually. Uh, that was my team. And uh, they ended up working out for them. Um, speaking of coaches, uh, 
we could talk a lot a lot about this, Mark. I know you could. Um, let's just say that Biles was not here next year. Let's just say that he's going to get fired. You know, there's guys like Lindy Ruff that could be on the market. I don't really be. I wouldn't be too. Uh, I wouldn't really want to repeat history and bring him back. I love Lindy, but uh, a guy that's uh, maybe uh, made me think a little bit is uh, Michael uh, Terran. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm not a big Terrian guy. Yeah. Um, and if you if you read what that what Habs fans have said about him, and what Penguins fans said about him as well. Uh, there's not a ton to not a ton to love there. I think if you're talking strictly, would he be an upgrade over Dan Bilesma? Yes, I think he would be. But I don't yeah. want them to to bring in just an upgrade. I want them to be looking for the coach that can that can get them a Stanley Cup victory. And I don't I, I don't think Terrian is that guy. You think there's a guy out there? I don't know. There's there's not somebody that I'm in love with as a potential candidate. So people have thrown out you you, you had said Lindy Ruff, Terrian, um yeah. also Ken Hitchcock, which I, I couldn't imagine him wanting to come and coach in Buffalo. But uh yeah. Luke Richardson is another possibility. Um, okay. I've seen people trying to push Paul McLean. Uh mm. I mean, none of those options are are that appetizing to me. I I think you've got to hope that that somebody out there gets fired that they are not expecting to get fired. Yeah, you know, I someone like I'd... maybe a, like a like a McClellan type, how, how he was fired from <laughs> San Jose, and then the Oilers were able to scoop him up, and people didn't yeah. expect him to get fired. The Sabers weren't really hard in on him either, which was surprising. Uh, yeah, I wasn't huge on McClellan, but now, you know, but it's easy to. It's easy to state the the case for him after uh, after you get a superstar like Connor McDavid. Uh, yeah, and know. it's hard to tell what, what, necessarily what, what, how much yeah. is him and how much is now having a top three player injected into your lineup. But mm-hmm. um, I do think he's a good coach, and I think he was a far better se- second option to Bile or to uh, Babcock in that off season. Rather than Bilesma, you know, Bilesma is a distant third to those two. Yeah. But if somebody yeah, like that yeah, comes think. available, and I don't really know, I can't really think of anybody that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, it's very likely that your boy Dan Bilesma could be could not be having a job. Uh, he'll definitely be on the hot seat. We'll see if these players are going to try to play for him down these last uh, what nineteen games we have left now. I think so, yeah. 19 or yeah. 20. Might be 20. Are they 26, 26, and 10? Yeah, so they have 20. Um, yeah, yeah, there's not a there's not a silver bullet out there. For for me, just talking about firing Bilesma, I don't think it's that they're going to fire Bilesma and this tremendous coach is going to fall right into their lap. Uh, I think they'd have to wait it out and, and hope that things break right for them. But I just know that Bilesma is not the coach to take this team to a cup final and the or to a Stanley Cup and the more that we fiddle around with him then the less likely it is we're going to find that guy. Yeah. Um well, it should be interesting uh Mark uh what what uh what comes down to Wednesday and what the Sabres 
uh, do. I'm sure general manager Tim Murray is going to have something up his sleeve as in selling picks, but there hasn't been any moves yet, so you got to you gotta start to wonder, is, is he going to make these Is he going to uh, accumulate assets or is uh, or some teams already getting set with what they have? So, well, yeah, I think what will be interesting, too, is if there's some sort of splashy trade that comes out of nowhere. Uh, obviously, the, you could look at the Evander Kane trade as the, as the splashiest in-season trade that Murray's made. I'm not expecting anything on, on that level, but something yeah. like the Hudson Fashing trade, the, the Braden McNabb Hudson Fashing trade, where there were no rumors of anything like that, and that's not something you could have expected, but that was somebody he really liked and went out and paid a paid a pretty hefty price to get him. Is, is that his worst trade? The the fashing trade? Yeah. Um probably the Leonard trade. You think? I would say, yeah. I, um, I, I, you see McNabb really dominating in L.A. Well, so I don't know if I'd call of... it dominating. I, I, I think a lot of guys have been able to look good in his spot in that lineup. I always liked McCabe a lot, or uh, McNabb a lot too. But yeah. I, I was a big fan, and I, I definitely, you know, what are we missing? Yeah. A guy like Brendan McNabb right now would be – Huge for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm throwing my arms up yeah, in the air. Yeah, I for everyone he, that can't see it, me. It would have because... been ideal to keep him in the to keep him in the organization and um, giving up two second rounders in that deal as well didn't help. It was not great value for the Buffalo side, and this has been kind of a lost season for Hudson Fashing. So the jury's still out on what he becomes, and a lot of people are down on him right now because he hasn't really played at all uh, this season, but. He still is a guy with a lot of upside, so it's probably a little bit too early to tell. I think I hated – because at the time, if you remember what McNabb was, he was kind of a fringe, you know, third-pairing, number seven type of guy at that point. We weren't sure if he was going to develop into a second-pairing defenseman or not. Um, and yeah. Hudson Fashing is a complete unknown, but a guy that Murray just loved. So looking back in hindsight, it's easy to say, I think, that – that trade was so lopsided value-wise when it wasn't really as bad at the time. The Leonard trade, though, at the time we knew it was bad value. That's why I'm saying I think it was probably the worst trade that he's made. But yeah, I can see the argument to be made the other direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. you could make an argument for the for the Kane Bogosian trade too. With yeah. Evander Kane playing well recently, it's it's not as easy to make that argument, but. Being saddled with Bogosian's contract and all the assets given up in that deal, it's pretty substantial. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one last question, and then I'm I'm chalked out of questions. I wanted to know: Do the Sabers make more than three trades before the deadline? Um. I'll, I'll say I'll say yes. three 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 or more. I'm Definitely sorry. yes to three or more. Okay. If I had to guess, I'd probably say three. But um, I could easily see four happening if there's some sort of random extra trade that happens and they trade 
Franson, Kulikov, and Gianta. And we're at four right there. And Nielsen could be in the mix too. Maybe two of those guys could go to one place. So it might only be one trade for yeah. for two of those pending free agents. But how about you? What do you think? I think uh I I think that we see Gianta go for sure. Um I think they're gonna do him due due diligence by sending to him to a playoff team. Um I think part of it depends on if he wants to go too. I I I I think he will because I think this is I think I think he's I I want to say that he's gonna end his career at a um on a good season that he's having this year. That being said, who knows? Maybe he wants to play if he wants to stay. If he wants to play some more, and Gian, if Gianta doesn't get moved by Wednesday, it's telling me that he wants to play more in this league, and the Sabers are gonna make him uh, pick him back up this year. Next yeah, season. which which I wouldn't mind but yeah, on another one-year deal. Well. Um, I think he's yeah. been very productive. People are ready to run Giant out of town. I've beat up on him a little bit on uh, in this podcast, but it's more because of the role he was playing. But I think he's played quite well considering his role this year especially. And uh, he's somebody I would welcome back if, if he's willing to come back on a one-year deal, obviously with a pay cut compared yeah. to what he was he- making this year. Even even uh at you know two years and uh you know two point one million you know yeah that wouldn't I, be too bad because you could move him yeah. probably pretty easily in the next off season. I'm just hesitant to give anybody more than one year this upcoming off season because of the impending Kane Eichel Reinhardt off season that you have, and I I just don't want to tie up money unnecessarily. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so that being said, I think Gianta moves. If not, he's coming back and playing next year, and we're going to have him as our captain again. Um, I think Kulikov gets moved, and uh, that's it. I think that's the only thing that's going to happen. I'm going to say he, I'm going to say the Sabers only make two moves. Okay. So that's my. Well, that's good. Yeah, we'll have a pretty good uh, wager. I mean, not with anything backing it up, of course, but. A whole bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label, two hundred thirty-five <laughs> bucks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really probably won't see you for another ten months or something. Uh, uh I'll definitely not. I'm definitely not going to come see you now <laughs> if I owe you that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I it, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to see what happens with the rest of this deadline. I'm looking forward to see uh, if uh, a Landeskog and a Duchesne get moved, uh, a big splash. Hopefully not, you know, obviously not by the Sabres, but I'm just excited to see these moves be taken place and see where uh, these guys are going to go. Yeah, I just hope it's not as anticlimactic as the NBA the NBA trade deadline was. Uh, I know you don't follow basketball too closely, but this was one where there were big names like Jimmy Butler and Paul George flowing around in the rumors, and then none of the big names ended up moving. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins was traded. That wasn't really a – that wasn't right at the deadline, though. Uh, so I hope it's I hope it's Milo far more exciting move. than that was. Mark's Knicks uh, – Mark, Mark Isa uh, is a big uh, Knicks fan. Uh, didn't see Carmelo Anthony get traded. Yeah. Cavs, like everyone wanted to see. Uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment being a Knicks, Sabres, and Bills fan. <laughs> the worst I bought so I 
you know, I work with a bunch of guys and um, we were in Bismarck, the, the North Dakota state capital, and they have a thrift store in downtown Bismarck. And I went over there and they had a Knicks glass and I bought it for a dollar and I had it in my bag and I showed it to one of my other coworkers who's an NBA fan. He's a, he's a Timberwolves fan, of course. But yeah. then like the people at the other end of the table, we'd, we'd gone out after work. Uh, it's like, oh, what's the logo on that? I was like, oh, it's the Knicks. He's like, geez, you just love terrible terrible sports franchises don't you and i said all all you need to say is ricky rubio <laughs> yeah <laughs> well Sorry, the guy that said that is uh wisconsin guy so he's a packers fan uh you know yeah. university of wisconsin bucks brewers which the bucks and brewers haven't been much of anything but university of wisconsin is arguably one of my favorite uh, college football programs. Them in Nebraska. Yeah, in yeah. They, I'm a sucker they're for they're the consistently big white very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Sue did play in Nebraska. Yeah, uh, the Domicons, that is. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I love I love players that come out of those uh, those three schools always. <laughs> Consistent yeah. offense and defense line players. Well, Wisconsin's definitely one of the. Um, like if you if you were to average off every single program and look at their football and basketball team, they're definitely up there among the top in terms of being good at both consistently. Yeah. They're always in the they're always in the tournament. Yeah, they're always the typically end. ranked in the top 25 at least. You know, you, they're rarely ever number 1 or top 5 or anything, but they're always a team at least to be scared of. And then in football, yeah. they're usually very good. Yeah, definitely. You know, you got J.J. Watt uh, out of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, arguably the the most, uh, you know, the the face of defensive line of the last, you know, 10 years. Yep. After Michael Strahan. So. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. He's going to have a huge season underneath Anthony Lynn. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I Probably not as many touchdowns, but. We'll see. We'll see. I'm getting into fantasy baseball mode right now, so trying to project <laughs> that right now. <laughs> I hate fantasy baseball. I freaking hate fantasy baseball. 162 games? Are you kidding me? I gotta start. I gotta. I gotta set up a lineup every day. I'm in one league, up. and it's a hundred and thirty dollar buy-in, and it's like a di- it's a dynasty league. So oh, that makes it a lot more fun. See. You know, you have an attachment yeah. to your team year over year. Once you put that much money in, and there's that much money on the line then it makes you want to check it that much more. They've been doing it since, like, the late 80s, too, Holy since before shit. I was born. Wow. I won it last year, too, for the first time. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. How long have you been in this league? Since you are like, 14? No, like, five years. <laughs> Jeez, man. So, freaking since 20. I inherited the worst team, like – if you were trying to to, to to assemble a bad team, that's what the owner before me did. It was an expansion team the year before I came in, and the guy got into it with everybody in the league, and then they kicked him out. And then they asked me to come in and inherit. I inherited this trash team. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure you're so mad about it too. Like, well, I was going back and looking at his deals when thing. I first took over the team. Like, what the, what were you doing? I can see you being like legitimately. Like, I literally so had one. Bad. I had one valuable player, 
Adam Dunn. Oh, okay. That was the only decent player I had. Then he fell off the face of the earth, you know, the next year. So you made it. So you went in the rebuild. You went to the Sabres and uh, oh, yeah. talked to Darcy Scorched Regeer. Earth rebuild. Just <laughs> tanked, you know. Came well, in last know, consecutive years. I'll, I'll, pay, I'll, I'll pay out, you know, 130 bucks here and there, but I'm gonna build a. I'm gonna build a winner. Yep. <laughs> hey, it all came fun, to fruition man. this year. Tim Murray just needs to, you know, come and watch the Tampa Bay Rays organization in that in the Western New York Fantasy Baseball League, and he'll. He'll see how to rebuild and take a team to the top. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, Sabres fans, I'm glad that you got to hear about uh There's nobody still baseball. with us at this point. Oh, they have to be. They have to be. After after all that uh, genuine knowledge <laughs> passed down. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, we knew this one was going to be long. The uh, the pre trade deadline talk one. We're at almost an hour and a half here. Uh, before we I'm sign so off, though, any anything else pressing on your mind? Any other predictions? Uh, w- quick question. Uh, well, predictions. Let me think. Or questions. Well, it doesn't have to deal with the deadline, but uh, when does the expansion draft actually happen? Um, it is, it's before free agency. Okay. I thought it was right after free agency for some reason. No, I know. I never, I thought it was right before free. Agency. Yeah. It's, it's right before free agency. I, I don't know the date. June 21st. June 21st. We're going to have to have a good show for that. Yeah. Uh, well, we should try to keep up weekly in the off season too. I mean, there should be at least enough yeah. to do a half hour episode or so. Yeah. In the off definitely. season. And, um, that'll be a fun one. We can probably yeah. do, we'll, we'll try to play around with that cap friendly tool and we can probably each do our own predictions Ooh, and then kind of see where we are differ. You, are we talking mocks? Yeah. Are we we, can, we mocks? can get, yeah, get some mocks in play yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Like mock that. expansion draft. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, maybe uh, even uh, even uh, you know, bring out some old mocks. You know, from uh, way back in the Mark Geist. For some NFL Draft Yes, that's what I meant to do. Yes, yes, NFL <laughs> Bring out the big board and that chick that was holding the football. Yep, <laughs> they're all still there. I think. Those classic photo bucket pictures. That's where I hosted all the pictures for that site. Photo bucket. <laughs> what a great website. There's some gr- uh, good content on there. <laughs> all right. Uh, for those who uh, made it into uh, fantasy baseball and NFL draft.biz.ly, and also, you know. Some uh the other great topics we covered towards the last ten minutes of our show. Um, this is Josh Eppinger saying thanks for making it here with us. Uh we appreciate your un your your amazing dedication to the Saber Talk podcast. Yep, thank you for joining us everyone. Hopefully we have quite a bit of news to talk about next week. Maybe we're able to do it even before then, depending on how amped up we are and how our schedules 
a line. Maybe we'll be able to do something before it, next Sunday. You know, I don't work Thursday. If there's a if there's some big moves for the Sabers, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to hopping back on real quick. Okay, yeah, I should a, be able to. A, a, I should a, be able to do summary. that. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how the trade deadline goes, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with you. All right, sounds good.